Hello there friends, this is Spencer Michelle, and today we're going to be talking about the full moon in Pisces 2, the second decan of Pisces. Uh, I hope that you're doing well out there. We're going to go on a deep dive of all the Piscean and Virgo archetypes as we examine this opposition between the sun and the moon in those two mutable signs. We are going to talk a little bit about Mercury stationing retrograde in the first decan of Libra. Uh, Mars hanging out near Aldebaran, Venus on the fixed star Thuban, and of course by the end of the day today we will talk about the animal that will help us get through this energy as well as an I Ching reading. So I hope that you're all doing well out there. Uh, please let me know you're here in the chat and I'll shout you out. I love seeing all of you come come into the chat here from various places in the world. It's very exciting. I love the community that we're building here. And I'm shouting a few of you folks out. Lisa is joining us from New York. Allie is here. Hello, Allie. Uh, Remco is here from the Netherlands. Caitlin is joining in from Los Angeles. Taria is coming to us from Finland. Rachel uh, is coming <laughs> here uh, doing some gardening, some repotting of a plant. That's a good Virgo. Virgo activity. Uh, Jenny is here from Wisconsin. Uh, this is one of my favorite states. My grandparents are were from Wisconsin. I'm a lifelong Green Bay Packer fan, so go Pack Go. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Raven is here from Kansas. I think that's where Raven is joining us from. Um, well, thank you, friends, for joining me. And I'm so excited to see all of your wonderful faces here. And it is very exciting to see all of you. We've got Lynn stopping in from Vermont as well. Uh, yeah, so a couple things, just some business, business issues. Um, I finally have released my uh, guided group study course to be signed up for. We are going to be going on a journey over the next three and a half months. Uh, I've been kind of teasing this on this channel for quite some time. Uh, sort of like a, a book club, but not just a book club. It's going to be a, a, I call it a guided group study. So, uh, of course, your guide will be me. So I will be helping uh, decipher some of the challenging astrology that might come up in this wonderful book that we're going to be starting with, which is called Ancient Astrology in Theory and Practice, A Manual of Traditional Techniques, Volume 2. And this is by the wonderful Demetra George, one of my favorite uh, translators of Greek, one of my favorite traditional astrologers. She is really just a lovely, lovely person and quite a genius when it comes to this kind of thing. And this house, or this, sorry, this book really goes over the meaning of the houses and how to delineate a planet in a house. Um, she also has a first volume of this from Rebato Press and a big shout out to my friend Aaron Cheek in New Zealand, who is the, uh, kind of the editor-in-chief, I think, of that particular publishing house. Did a great job um, editing this book. Um, so we're going to go at, a, I think, a pretty decent pace or clip through this book. We're going to have a Discord server where we can communicate with one another, hopefully share our thoughts, share our uh, reflections. I will be putting together some of my notes. I'll share my notes in that Discord um, group. I will share homework questions and Really what I hope to be is an accountability guide and to sort of um, pique your curiosity and, and stimulate good conversation. 
Um, you know, I, I've been doing astrology for a little while now, so hopefully I'll be able to, to share my experience with you as well and how I've been using these particular techniques that Demetra talks about. So it'll be, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So there is a link in the, this video or in this podcast, wherever you're listening to this, to sign up. It's called Guided Group Study uh, Fall 2022. And you can also find that on my website under the Book Now button in Classes and Webinars. And I would love it. I would love it if you'd join us for that. Um, I've really enjoyed the, the community we've built, built here on this channel. And I hope to continue that where we get to see each other face-to-face in Zoom chats Every other week, it's going to be Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern time. I did a, a poll for this recently, and that was that was the winner. Um, so hopefully that's a time that most of you can come and, and be a part of. I know I can't make everyone happy, and I apologize for that. We just have so many different time zones we're trying to figure out, and everyone has different life circumstances. But hopefully you'll be able to join us. I will record the session, so if you can't make it live, you will be able to view the, the recordings. Although I will say... The recordings will only be available for for participants. I'm not going to post these after the fact. This is kind of just going to be our our cohort, our class for the next few months. So uh, I'm excited about it. I'm excited about just getting to know all of you face to face a little bit better. Um, Of course, if you are interested in this and you need some financial assistance, I'm open to that as well. Please email me at spencermichaudastrology at gmail.com. And I will go through on a case-by-case basis to figure out what the best solution would be for you. Um, The tuition for this course is going to be $180. So I hope that that is uh, reasonably priced and affordable for most of you. But again, reach out to me. I know a few of you already have. I apologize that I haven't gotten back to everyone yet. It's been just a busy few weeks. (laughs) So I will try my best to to go through my my emails and, and communicate with everyone. So again, I hope that you'll join us for that really excited about it and I hope that that's uh, something that will serve all of you very well. We've got some really great people stopping in and more comments coming in. Uh, Remco says, dividing my attention between the live and packing for a trip. Well, hopefully we'll bring you some insight while you're doing your Virgo tasks. It's okay okay to do stuff during these things. Uh, Fold your laundry, pack your stuff, pot a plant, clean your bathroom or your toilet, (laughs) whatever, whatever works for you. Um, let's see, let's see, more friends stopping in. Janet Goodspeed is here. Hello, Janet, watching with your neighbors. Cats, what great company you have today. I am a huge cat fan, so uh, I I approve of that (laughs) message. Uh, I wish I could have all the cats. I want to hug all the cats. That's kind of my thing. Um, Allie is here from the Bay Area. Nice to have you here, Allie, today in your live stream. I owe you an email. Uh, so let's see. Uh, Rachel is, oh yes, Rachel is here uh, saying that Wisconsin sounds nice as well. Place of stillness. Manuela is joining us from Spain, from her new Spanish home, uh, from a Play-Doh ice cream factory. Uh, that's fun. Yeah, we can babysit while we're doing these lives, anything we want to do. I feel like I'm like, um, what's, oh gosh, what's his name? I'm like Bob Ross today, whatever you want to do while we paint these happy little trees, you know, <laughs> like that's kind of the energy we put out here. Um, Dimphy is here from the Netherlands. Hello, Dimphy. Raven is saying that Mars and Gemini has been making life really busy for me as well, but I'm excited to sign up. Well, thank you, Raven. I'm excited that you'll be there. Uh, looking forward to, to chatting with you. 
And uh, Tarja is joining us from Finland. Another Tarja. We have two Tarjas from Finland, which is very cool. So welcome, my friends. Okay. So that's kind of the, the main offering they have on, on, on tap right now. Uh, I'm also open for, for reading. So if you're needing some guidance through these challenging times, and we'll go through all of it today, we're going to talk a little bit about Mercury retrograde and Mars retrograde uh, today as well. I don't know about you, but it's been uh, since that new moon with Mars in the overcoming position, um, there's been some challenges. So hopefully we're all navigating it with grace as best we can. Um, so let's dive into it. Of course, one of the biggest things that you can do to support this channel is hit the like button on this video that helps please the algorithmic gods. Uh, it is sort of an offering to the to our ones and zero overlords. Uh, and if you're not, if you're new to the channel, please subscribe. Uh, that's a great way to know when we're going to do these lives. We go live generally about once a week. We do a new new moon, full moon, uh, an astrology of the month, and then sometimes we have some some various random things here and there. Uh, you can also sign up on my email list. That's a great way to know for uh, when I'm having new offerings, uh, when I'm going to be launching things. That's a that's an awesome way to stay in touch. Uh, if you want to support what I'm doing here materially, there's a little dollar sign in that chat box. It's called a super chat or a super sticker. And the chats have been getting really active, which is awesome. Sometimes I may miss uh, a comment, though. The super sticker is a great way to highlight your comment so that I see it and it stands out from the rest. But what you're really doing is supporting the work that we do here, helping me get books for research, keep the lights on, buying me the gift of time so that I can organize all of these things. And I so much appreciate that. Uh, if you're listening after the fact, you can also do what's called a super thanks, or you can buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com. Okay, that's all the, the business stuff out of the way here. We've got a couple other friends stopping in. Sabrina is here from Charlotte. Uh, yes, and I am hoping to bring you some clarity and insight today, my friend. Um, so what do you say we dive into it, friends? Is everybody hanging in there? Uh, I, like I said, I've, I've personally, I've had some some interesting times from this new moon. So let's share the chart and talk a little bit about what we've got going on. So here is the full moon in Pisces. Okay. So this is a chart of September the 10th, 2022 at 5.59 a.m. Eastern time. Make the appropriate adjustments for your time zone and place. Uh, but we are seeing the culmination of a new moon. And I'll, I'll go back just a second just to show you where we started. Okay, because this is, this is connected. So here is where we started was this full, you can see the new moon on the outside at four degrees of Virgo with Mars in the exact overcoming square. That's a technique in traditional astrology where a planet that is earlier in zodiacal order is sort of exerting power over those other planets. So in this case, Mars was creating conflict over maybe a difference of opinion, over having too many options. And sometimes that can interfere with our desire to, to learn or our desire to, um, you know, pass on a legacy of some sort. I, I know that what, what I was feeling at the beginning of this new moon was there were classes that I wanted to take as well. I'm, a, I'm an eternal student myself, and there was a lot of different options. And sometimes we can't do everything. And that, that is something that I think um, a lot of people have been experiencing. You know, and it's okay to eliminate some of those options. I hope that, um, I hope you'll choose us, but I understand if, if you've got something else going on too. I hope this will be a seasonal, a seasonal offering. We'll see how it goes. And if uh, 
we have a good good group. I'm a little bit nervous about starting a group endeavor with Mars about to retrograde in my 11th house. So I would, <laughs> I guess I will beg you, if you do sign up for our group, just please be kind to one another. And maybe we'll just be really enthusiastic about learning <laughs> you know, and communicating. Uh, so, but just in universally, you know, we had this Mars overcoming square. We, and we also had the, uh, this opposition between Mercury and Jupiter that was kind of hanging out. And, and we've seen that per- perfect once since the full moon, or I'm sorry, since the new moon in Virgo. And I, I don't know about all of you, but that, that definitely brought some, some situations to light in my own personal life in a number of different areas related to partnership and individuality. And some of those themes being related to Aries and Libra and really having some difficulty reconciling those opposites and creating some tension. And we're still going to be feeling kind of the fallout of that at this full moon because Mercury is going to be retrograding back into an opposition with a retrograde Jupiter and Aries. So that's something I wanted to highlight again today as well. So let's talk about some of the details here. Just the planetary condition. This is something I really enjoy uh, breaking down for you. So we are looking at the sun in the second decan of Pisces. And the sun is hanging out with a newly ingressed Venus in Virgo. So happy Venus in Virgo as of this morning as I'm recording this. So the sun will be hanging out with uh, Our Lady Venus. And Venus is going to be in its fall. So a challenging position for Venus. Um, This position of Venus can lead to some solitude and loneliness. Well, there may be some perfectionism that comes in when we're trying to craft something beautiful. I think of the hard work that may leave us uh, feeling cut off from others could be something that we're feeling with Venus moving through Virgo as well. And the second decan of Virgo is the nine of uh, pentacles kind of experience. And in it, you see a figure that is in a lush garden uh, and she's holding a, a, a hooded falcon, like a trained falcon to weed out the garden. So there's a lot of themes of weeding out inefficiencies, of encasing essence into matter through hard work, through our labor, and, and sometimes enjoying the fruits of our labor, but, but maybe jo- enjoying it through our self-sufficiency and solitude. Now, the, the moon is going to be hanging out with Neptune. So the moon's in the second decan of Pisces which is related to the nine of cups. And here we see a figure that's sitting satisfied with his uh, his arms folded. He's got these cups of fulfillment. This card's called happiness or material happiness, uh, according to the golden dawn. Um, And thank you. Thank you, Mano, for the the, uh, super sticker. I appreciate you. Um, So when we're looking at the moon in Pisces 2, we're in a place where we may have to accept imperfection to come to a place of satisfaction. I find Virgo to be a place of dissatisfaction, but for a purpose. We, we identify the flaws. We identify where our disgust is so we can eliminate that which needs to be returned back to the earth. And in this second decade of Pisces, we may have kind of the opposite energy where we're just accepting things as they are. We're saying that's good enough. Uh, it's time to release this. We don't have to work on it anymore. Let's just put it out into the world. Now, there is some challenges along with that because there is some ener- energy of sorcerer's apprentice, I would call it, in this decan, 
where we may overestimate our abilities. We may um, feel like things are okay when they may not be completely. And when the moon is hooking up with Neptune, that illusionary veil may may misguide us on some level as well. So this is this is something we're working with with the opposition between the sun in Virgo and the moon in Pisces. Like how do we the process, how do we the product of our labor, the process, the how versus kind of the why and the essence, the meaning that is infused into it. A lot of times as a Virgo stellium it can be, you know, you can be grinding so much that you sometimes you have to come up for air and be like, why am I doing this? Well, how does this fit into the bigger picture of my life? And that's really one of the questions I think that we see at the Virgo full moon is we've been working very hard, but why are we doing this? Is it bringing us happiness? Is it bringing us satisfaction? And how do we get to that point where we're balancing out the the work with the spiritual results? Okay, so that's something to consider. Now, this is also a good point to point out that each of these planets has a dispositor. And that's a fancy word for the planet that is providing resources to the sun or the moon. And in this case, we have Mercury, who is just stationed retrograde the day before on on September the 9th in Libra, in aversion to the sun, making it difficult to provide resources to the sun and Venus in this case, although we do have a mutual reception between Venus and Mercury, which means that they are in each other's houses, which is sort of beneficial. It's like a secret line of communication. And then we also have Jupiter providing resources or trying to, to the moon. And Jupiter is in retrograde motion in the sign of Aries. So both of the planets that are trying to provide resources to this sun-moon combination are not able to witness Okay, they're not able to provide their testimony to these planets. That brings some confusion. That brings uh, like a darkness where we don't necessarily have all the clarity that we would hope for. We've got two, two planets in retrograde motion reviewing things that are taking back things that were done or that were given. Um, so this, there, this, I think that this is a, a, a lunation where we really have to kind of question what we've been doing since the first uh, new moon here this month and, you know, seeing if, it, if, it, if the results are what, what we hoped for. And if we got into a conflict situation with somebody, really reviewing our actions, reviewing our ethics around things as well. I think that another factor in this full moon is that Mars is still in the overcoming position to both Venus and the Sun and squaring the lunation. It's, it's a little bit of a wider orb than we saw at the new moon, but it's still playing a, a part. And I think that that's really important to understand. And Mars is going to be hanging out on a fixed star called Aldebaran. It's close enough that I would say that it's within orb of Aldebaran, which is a fixed star that really is a test of our integrity. It's saying, what do you really believe and how can you stay true to your integrity? So Mars is testing us with that. There's, there's maybe some ethical lapse, lapses that we're dealing with uh, around this full moon that we need to remedy. Um, the other thing that I will say, and I'll, I'll remove all of this for now because it's getting a little messy, is there is a technique 
in traditional astrology that I learned from Mart Martin Hermes, who is, I think, the closest, uh, I don't know, he's a disciple of Robert Schmidt. And I asked him a question, when a planet is in a version, how do you get resources? And the first answer that he had was, you look to, to the exaltation Lord to find resources. Well, Virgo doesn't necessarily have a different exaltation Lord than Mercury. Mercury it plays a weird double role as its domicile and exaltation Lord. So in this case, Virgo is not getting any help. Uh, Jupiter on, is also an aversion to the moon, so the moon is not getting help from Jupiter. But the exaltation Lord of the moon, in this case of Pisces, is Venus. And Venus is co-present with the sun, so all, having a conversation with the sun and witnessing the moon by opposition. So, to me, the biggest player in this lunation is actually Venus in Virgo, which is <laughs> pretty interesting to me. Um, pretty interesting seeing Virgo in, you know, Venus in the first decade of Virgo having a, a real influence on a... Uh, Mercury slash Jupiter lunation. And this is the kind of, you know, challenge, I think, of uh, really getting fixated on the process. And how do we bring together all of the details that we need to be able to learn the skills we need to move forward? Now, there's two fixed stars I really want to talk about besides Aldebaran that I think are important here. Um, yeah, and we've got some great quote, some great uh, comments coming in before I move forward. Um, Remco is saying, Nina Griffin pointed out that mutual reception and aversion is called gratitude, if I remember correctly, or generosity. That's okay. Well, you know, generosity and gratitude, I think, is, is important. Now, let's, let's, let me give you some additional insight into that because I do, I do think the mutual reception is important. And I'm looking through all of the comments here. We get some really nice comments that uh, we've got people who have this lunation on their on their uh, on their risings. Um, people who have this lunation natally. Uh, Urania Universe is here. Welcome, Portia. It's nice to see you. How do we get to the point of satisfaction? She's asking. It's an ongoing journey. Yeah. Hopefully, we'll we'll break that down today. Um, yeah. And other people are talking about their their challenges around these lunations as well. So he, let me try to break down that mutual reception between Venus and Mercury. So first of all, <clears throat> two fixed stars. Mercury just retrograded at about roughly nine degrees of Libra, okay? The late eight degrees, early nine degrees here. And that is on a fixed star called Diadem. And Diadem is in a constellation called Coma Bernices. And that is like a crown of hair. Or some people called it Ariadne's crown, which is, is a slightly different myth. But let's talk about Bernices. Queen Bernices was married to Ptolemy III in, in the, I believe it was the Egyptian slash Greco-Roman Empire. There, I believe there's a weird overlap there on some level. I don't exactly know all the history with that. But the story or the myth goes is that Ptolemy III went off to war. Uh, Bernices uh, had to, or Bernice, had to make a sacrifice to Aphrodite 
to, so to ensure the safe return of her husband to war. And back in these ancient times, the hair was a symbol of status and of dignity. And she had to cut off her hair and sacrifice it to the altar of Aphrodite for the safe return of her husband from war. And that, of course, was a, a humiliating or a humbling experience. So I think that we are having to deal with a, a humbling sacrifice to be able to restore peace and reviewing something where we may have gotten into an ego battle with Mercury in Libra and Jupiter in Aries, you know, saying, I'm, I'm doing this because I want to. And it's a very expansive uh, Jupiter. Where it's very, it's, it's self-centered. And that's okay. Sometimes we have to do that, but there's a conflict. You know, when we, when we have situations where we're, you know, have to work with others, you can't just run roughshod over other people. It's just not going to work. It's going to create problems. Now, Venus is hanging out on a fixed star called Thuban. And Thuban was the dragon that guarded the, 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 the Garden of Eden or the, the celestial pole, the, guard, the Garden of Eternity. And there's some challenges with Thuban with hoarding, hoarding resources, hoarding knowledge. Uh, maybe there's a, a conflict that has come up recently about what is yours versus someone else's. And maybe there's a hoarding th uh, challenge that has come up through that. Maybe there was an ethical breach through that that needs to be um, needs to be brought back into balance. So, what do we see when we see mutual reception between the hoarding dragon Thuban that v Venus is hanging out on, and the fixed star diadem that Mercury is hanging out on? Well, maybe we need to make a sacrifice and release the hoarding instincts that we have and let our resources flow again to restore balance and harmony. And I think that that's, that is speaking, that's a whole story. That's a whole narrative. This is why I love about the fixed stars. The myths bring us these wonderful narratives that we can then apply to various situations in our own life. And of course, Mars being in that uh, second decan of Gemini, close to the fixed star Aldebaran, although separating um, and slowing down to go retrograde, is there's some dualities involved in this decision. There, there are two things, there are two ideals that might have kernels of truth within them. I just recorded a wonderful podcast with my friends Shu Yap and Melissa LaFara from Energetic Principles about Mars retrograde, and that should be launching within the next day or so here. And we talked a lot about Mars's retrograde cycle that'll be happening on the 30th of October. And, and Mars will be in Gemini for seven months and turn direct in, in January and then finally leave Gemini in March. So we're going to be going through a journey trying to reconcile conflicts over contradictions. And I, I talked a lot about Gemini and we all talked about this. This is a really great talk. Those are two really great astrologers, very knowledgeable where we have relative truths in Gemini, lowercase t truths. Whereas like Sagittarius or Pisces, sometimes we're trying to look for the capital T truths, the, the universal truths. And it requires, when things are moving through Gemini or even Virgo, some flexibility. And sometimes we have to be flexible with our ethics on some level and see things from someone else's perspective to resolve a conflict that where both people might have, you know, a, a, a leg to stand on. Now, the challenge is Virgo 
is giving us awareness right now through the sun moving through it of what kind of legacy we want to weave. The second decan of Virgo has a, a spirit in 36 heirs of the zodiac called the Moirai, and they were the weavers of fate. Okay, you had three sisters that were weaving the thread of fate, apportioning it out, and then cutting it and distributing it. So the question that you have to ask yourself is what kind of fate are you weaving right now? What kind of family legacy are you weaving? What, how are you going to act within your integrity to create the, the legacy to pass on to the next generations? And this is just, a, I'll just tell you a little, just a personal anecdote that was coming up in the previous weeks for myself. I received a package in the mail from my great aunt that was, uh, who recently passed away. I've had a certain area of my family has had a lot of uh, transitions recently. Uh, my mom's side of the family, my mom passed in, oh geez, April now. My, her father passed about two weeks after that, my grandfather, and then her aunt passed all within this one month period. And uh, I received a package in the mail of like family pictures. And that part, that part of my family was had some estrangement. Um, there was some kind of argument when they were young. And it really, uh, they, they had a lot of challenges finding unity over a long period of time. And that was passed down through the generations, there's, you know, I, I experienced some estrangement from my uh, mom when I was young. Uh, and, you know, then you have to think about how do you deal with that generational trauma and how do you want to live your life moving forward? And if you come into conflicts, like if you have generational trauma or estrangement, how are you going to restore balance and peace and harmony? And maybe it's through making a slightly different choice than your parents, your grandparents, or whoever may have made. So this is something I think that, that I'm seeing with the connection of Venus and Mercury and being able to understand how you and your choices are weaving your own fate, okay? And you don't have to choose to act on that generational trauma. So I th that's one of the things that's just standing out to me with that. And I'm curious if any of you are seeing any uh, recognition in any of these themes coming up and how, how to reconcile contradictions, dualities, disagreements over ideals, uh, disagreements over a partnership versus individuality. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of different turning points in our relationships and those turning points can be very challenging emotionally when we're trying to take on new roles, whether, you know, in my case, it's a role of being an empty nester uh, and relating to my adult child in a different way. Uh, you know, there's always bumpy patches that can come up. In full disclosure, having a little bit of a bumpy patch uh, in my own family right now and trying to figure out how we can make a different choice. And I think that that's, that's really important. Um, so I guess that, that, that I'm seeing that in my own life. I'm seeing that in my own experience. So I guess I'm just curious what's going on. If, if I know that my good friend and teacher, 
uh, Achyuta Bhava from Nightlight has this series where he talks about being grabbed by the planets, which were called grahas. And I'm, I'm curious to hear your stories too. That, that's something that when we can ground our experience of the astrology and our reality, it can, it can really make it uh, instructive on some level. And I do think there's ex- learning experiences to be had with every single one of these, whether it's positive or negative. Okay, so I'm looking through the chat. Lisa is saying, oh, Henry's here. Hello, Henry. Welcome from Kentucky. Uh, Lisa says, mutual exception with reversion, help may be available. In theory, like people say, let me know if I can help in any way, lip service, or willingness to help, but no ability to provide it, moral support. Yeah, I like that. I think that there's sometimes the, the solutions to, to challenges aren't always readily apparent. A lot of times uh, egos get involved and people's positions get entrenched and uh, it, it's very hard to back off a certain position when you've dug your heels in. And I think that this, this with all the mutable planets in this full moon, flexibility is required. And reviewing how maybe, you know, individual standoffs that we've <laughs> entrenched our positions in. And I'm speaking from experience as a fixed rising um, you know, it's fixed rising sign. Uh, it's very easy. I'm a, I have a fixed moon too. It's very easy to get into that position where I say, well, I said it and that's, and that's the, the end, you know? Um, but, it, but again, it, I really am thinking a lot about when you, when you hover above your life and you see, when you come from a family like I have, where one part of your family had an enormous amount of pain and estrangement that lasted decades and you look at that and you look at the seeds of that and how they may have been able to make a different choice and change in the moment and how that could have set, saved decades worth of suffering. I think this is one of those moments where you have to consider what is the big picture that you're trying to, to achieve and can you have grace for the people in your life when, you know, over small matters, to be able to preserve harmony long term, so this is this is something I'm seeing uh, in this in this lunation in particular. Uh, Corey is here, Castle Rock, saying obsessed with the Moirai spelling. Um, I believe it is M O I R A I, um, Moira, and yeah, that's the plural version. Sorry, so you're you're correct, Corey. Uh, spirit associated with Virgo too, home to my natal ascendant. Oh, that's a good one. P.S. had a very similar conversation recently about family estrangement with my aunt a week or so. I see, I think it's going around. I mean, I think this is, I'm really curious to hear if anyone else having experiences like this because um, I really do think family legacies are, are part of this, this moon. And it, it's going to be a little bit of a different thing for everyone. Your family may be a work family. It could be your personal family. It could be, you know, a group that you're a part of, depending on where this falls in your chart. But I do think Virgo is very associated with legacies in general. Um, Tarya is saying that they have Saturn at 17 degrees Virgo. Oh my goodness, Tarya. So you're going to feel this one um, pretty intensely. So good good luck with that. <laughs> Try to set healthy boundaries if you can. Uh, D is here. Hello, Darren slash D uh, Burr from the UK. Uh, no worries, my friend. It is nice to see you as well. I'm enjoying uh, having all of you participate here today. Um, Portia says, first step is awareness and then being observant to it. The intensity and emotional attachment lessens a bit. Yeah. Uh, And Lisa's pointing out being generous with forgiveness. Exactly. Um, 
Rachel is, uh, there's all this great advice. This is why you're such a great community. Uh, Rachel says, I, I agree that it's important to understand the whole context of history of the other person's position. Yes, I, I do think it's important. Like Saturn right now, if we're talking about Saturn, is asking us to zoom out and see how all these different individual micro actions lead to the narrative, the great, the bigger picture of our life. And I do think it's important to make choices based on what's best for the long term and not just in the, in that individual moment. And sometimes it takes being the bigger person. There's often times where through maybe even our own experience or our own vision, we have to kind of swallow pride and be the one to initiate reconciliation on some level. Uh, let's see, Castle Rock says, looking through the birth chart of family members on whichever side is relevant to you, maternal or paternal, even without a birth time, I've gleaned valuable insights. Me too, Corey. I, uh, yeah, just, just seeing connections and planetary positions and understanding where they were at. Like one of my, my grandmother was a catalyst for, I think, a lot of the challenges in our, my mom's side of the family. She's a, a double Scorpio, sun and moon. And she had a lot of trauma associated with her father passing. Um, he got hit by a car when she was very young, 17 or 18 years old. And that set off a lot of that trauma and that loss set off a lot of arguments that, that um, devolved or devolved into estrangement. And you could see like with the Scorpio sun and moon, uh, uh, how f a fixed position may be taken and, and wanting through, through mourning, wanting someone to blame. And I think that the, the Mars and Gemini in particular, we talked about this on the podcast with Shu and Mel, wants to project the shadow onto something or someone else. And oftentimes we have to learn to integrate that part of ourselves rather than projecting it outwards onto some kind of externalized enemy. I think this is a really important lesson to learn with Gemini placements in particular. We, we can't externalize the inner contradictions that we feel. And this is what Mars is really asking us to do is how can we you know, eliminate some of these options and contradictions to find what our real truth and integrity is. All right, Christopher is here. Hello, Christopher. Good to see you, friend. Um, says the moon is on his lot of fortune. Actually really excited to swim around in this full moon. Okay, well, there you go. That's that's nice to have a lot of fortune in that Deccan. That's a nice Deccan for fortune in particular. Uh, Rachel says, I've been dreaming a lot about a former family home, which has, I guess, a certain heavy legacy. Excuse me. Yeah. Yeah. Dreams are definitely a Piscean uh, signification. So I would say pay attention to your dreams in this, when this lunation is starting to, to come to fruition, because it, that can be instructive. A lot of times dreams speak in languages that we don't necessarily uh, can receive in the waking world. So I think that it's very important to um, pay attention to your dreams. I had a dream at the new moon of an owl I don't know if I talked about this in a previous uh, talk or not, but I had a dream of an owl and I was collecting mushrooms. I was, you know, reishi mushrooms in particular, large reishi mushrooms in a very dark area. And reishi mushrooms are associated with longevity, but I, there was an owl that landed on my shoulder and it stuck its claw up my nose. <laughs> like, so it, was, uh, it was some symbolism as far as like, hey, you know, pay attention to whether something smells right or not. It's interesting that owls themselves don't actually have a very good sense of smell. Uh, that's why the great horned owl can eat a skunk because they're not really affected by the spray. Um, so there's, there's some interesting symbolism that will come to you in a dream. Uh, let's see. 
Tarya says, full moon will happen right on my Mars and Saturn, both at 17 degrees Pisces. Oh my goodness. My own mess totally. Can't blame my family. Yeah. You know, that's wise, Tarya. A lot of times we want to blame our trauma on our family. And we, we use our parents, our grandparents, our history as punching bags for the pain that we've experienced, while not completely fully realizing that our parents are human, our grandparents were human, they, their actions are a result of their own trauma. And a lot of times they were just doing the best that they could. I, I think back when I was just an, an angry teenager and I was just terrible to my parents at various times. And, you know, sometimes what goes around comes around and hopefully we all grow out of it on some level. Um, but when you have, you know, a fight for independence and a difference of opinion on things, it's easy to lash out and it's easy to lash out on people that uh, we think may have unconditional love for us. Um, and as a parent, I would say it's better to err on the side of unconditional love. I think that it's sometimes it's we want to teach our children ethics and values and we don't want to have our boundaries overstepped or we don't want to teach something that is, um, we don't want to reward negative behavior. But at a certain point, sometimes somebody has to be the bigger person. And oftentimes, you know, it's got to be the parent that does that because, you know, if you have a teenager, you know that sometimes that prefrontal cortex isn't completely developed yet. And a lot of times it's hard to see the long term when you're, uh, you know, feeling your, your way through life for the first time. Um, so something to consider as well. Let's see. Let's see. I'm looking through the chat. Allie says, being generous with forgiveness towards family has been a big theme in my life recently. I can be, it can be challenging to make the best of the time we have, but it is important in the long run. Hallelujah and amen, Allie. Um, you know, I, having recently lost my, my mother, my grandfather, and my great aunt, uh, you, it really does put things in perspective that the time that we have together with these people is not infinite, um, at least on this plane of existence, however you want to think about that. And oftentimes, what it begins as a petty dispute can, can blow up into a, a much bigger challenge that causes great regret. And I'll tell you, I'll try not to get choked up talking about it, but there's this song that comes on my Pandora every once in a while. I have a Pandora station that has a lot of, um, it's, it's called Eye in the Sky Radio. <laughs> That's like my happy place. My dad used to listen to Alan Parsons Project all the time. And that late 70s, early 80s, like prog rock pop music is a time in my life that I associated with good, good things like from age zero and to like age five was before the shit hit the fan in my family and everybody got divorced and started having conflict. And there's a song by this, um, this artist that used to be in the band Genesis. His name is, uh, oh God, what's his name? Well, the band is called Mike and the Mechanics. I don't remember Rutherford, I think is his name, Mike Rutherford. And it's all about the regret that he has, um, after losing his father. Uh, see, I told you I couldn't get through it without getting choked up. So I'll compose myself for a minute, but go take a listen to that song. Um, it's basically talking about, you know, not being able to, to talk to these folks after they're gone and not letting these petty disagreements cause regret. But 
it's a it's a beautiful tune and it brings up a lot of feelings and I guess just full disclosure friends I've been struggling the last few weeks with a lot of changes in my life a lot of people leave my life lately whether through death or for, through moving away I'm just really sad and I'm feeling a lot of loss and just I do appreciate all of you in this community that I have here today and your support and I appreciate you holding space for me and my vulnerability and I hope that I can do the same for all of you so I'll just take a second here all right sometimes you just gotta cry it out and I think that uh, this <laughs> this full moon <laughs> There may be some tears shed at this full moon, folks. I think that Pisces is a pretty emotional sign. And a lot of times, uh, especially when we have heavy Virgo placements, we feel like we have to be responsible. We feel like we have to just uh, power through, grind through, and do the work and be practical. And we don't always allow ourselves the time to feel our feelings. Um, I think that there's there's remedies for these challenges. I found myself getting really angry the other day and my, my beautiful partner, Tanya, uh, told me to, about this, this technique. It's called EFT, emotional freedom technique. And it's basically these tapping at these, these points on your hands that are, uh, I don't know, they're like, uh, what are these energetic points, like almost like acupressure points, right? And you say these affirmations and you try to dial yourself back from anger. And as I was doing that, as I was getting past my anger, my self-righteous anger, uh, at an ethical lapse in my family, um, what really was revealed was how sad I was. And sometimes we, I think when we, we have Mars expressing right now, what, what, what expresses as anger is really just deep sadness. And I think if we can we can dial things back from and identify what we're really feeling, that can be really healing. And that can really put us in a much better space that can allow us to get to the core of our uh, of our experience. So thank you everyone for your support in the chat. I'm sorry that sorry that you're getting emotional cancer spence today. Um, but like I said, there's just it's man. I don't know if you all are feeling this, but there's been so many transitions recently. And sometimes it's just, uh, I mean, give give big hugs to the people in your life, especially the fixed risings in your life who have been having some really difficult eclipses in their angular houses. Uh, and be kind to your, your mutable rising folks during this period of time now, especially at this full moon, um, because of the, the Mars square, the, the, the challenging energy um, I think that we're just going through a really difficult time in history uh, with changes in the environment, changes in the, the political landscape. Um, and a lot of times in the spiritual community, we try to pretend like we have it all together. And I got news for you folks. I'm a 12th house sun in Mercury. I do not have it all together all the time. Uh, I really try to be a beacon and a light uh, and set a good example. But man, I am a human being who is fallible just like all of you. 
And I think that we need to allow ourselves to be that, especially in the spiritual community, the astrological community. Um, I hope that we can teach not only through our wisdom, but through our vulnerability. So again, thank you, friends. I'm looking through the chat here. Thank you so much for all the supportive comments. Rachel says, having those feelings is very important. Make space for them. We're so honored that you're still showing up for us. Yeah, that's something that's really important to me, Rachel. As a child of abandonment, uh, it's really important for me to show up. Uh, when I was a young person, my mom took off for a couple of years. She had some real uh, emotional struggles through her own trauma and through her own estrangement with her own family. And her, she's a Gemini son. And um, a lot of times we want to escape. Mercury wants to, to escape and become invisible. One, that's one of the things that Hermes does is they go in and out of the beams of the sun. They disappear for periods of time. And my mom, in good Gemini fashion, disappeared for a few years. And so that, that shaped my character to the point where it's important for me to show up, whether I feel good or whether I feel bad. That consistency is, it shapes our character. So I will show up for you, whether I feel bad, whether people have died, whether I'm having an argument. I hope that I can still uh, bring some wisdom, even if I'm not completely at my best and my most centered. So thank you for all these hugs here. Uh, D, thank you for your support as well. Everyone, you guys are so great. Um, Jenny is appreciating the transparency, saying tapping helped me a lot during a really hard time. Yeah, it was, it, it was an instant relief. Um, journaling, I would really suggest during this time too, getting, getting the words out, getting the feelings out, you know, utilizing that Mars in, in Gemini, getting the, the nastiness that wants to come out of you from feeling hurt and sad and putting it on paper is a lot more healthy than, than just firing it off to the party in question because it gives you a sense of objectivity to think it through and whether that would actually be effective while also releasing the steam valve. Uh, Corey says, anger is intelligent. There's always something underneath it. Tara Brack says, there is a favorite guru for teachings like this. Yeah, yeah, there's anger. It, it, I don't think we should avoid anger. I, you know, I agree, Corey. Anger can be instructive. Sometimes anger helps alert us to an injustice in our life. Um, but oftentimes it's combined with other emotions. And we have to be able to separate out when we're feeling what we're feeling. This is something that water signs have trouble with sometimes. They mash up different emotions and it's hard to separate out what they're actually feeling and they can compound things. Um, okay. Yeah, Rachel says, coming out of my crab shell to say there's so much sadness in the air here too. Yeah, Rachel, something just going around, isn't it? Raven says, it's okay to cry. Your feelings are valid. We hold space for you. Thank you for sharing and be authentic. Well, thank you, Raven. Appreciate you. Lynn says, I feel like having, um, I feel like this, having this Pisces full moon natally has given me the outlet of tears when I need them, which is invaluable for all the Virgo. Yes. I think us people with Virgo placements can be so tightly wound. People put on, put responsibility on their shoulders and expect them to keep it together all the time, which they do most often. That's their, one of their superpowers is a lot of times they can bring order out of chaos. But they're human beings, too, that have emotions and that a lot of times if we push those feelings down and we push them down to try to be practical, they just erupt in strange ways sometimes. Okay. Such, yes, tears are achemical. I love it. You feel a relief after you have a good cry. I'm already feeling some relief right now. Uh, Rachel says, I missed a couple of your last live discussions. I can honestly say 
greatly felt the gap in the week and missed the community here. Well, Rachel, I'm glad you're here today, and I'm glad that we can hold space for you as well. And I'm glad that this is, I hope to make this a little bit of an oasis for people and try to, even though we might be experiencing hardship, to bring a little bit of light as well and hope. Uh, I always try to be realistic about what's happening, but I always try to give a little bit of a turnaround as well. Um, we can't always change our circumstances, but we can learn how to deal with it gracefully. Uh, they say that sometimes the raw tears take all of the energy and writing is just too hard. Maybe that's the Virgo element, the sorting through, which comes afterward. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you can just be, you don't have to do something, right? Um, Allie says, I love that you said hallelujah. Yesterday I was listening to Jeff Buckley's version of Leonard Cohen's song, Hallelujah. I love that song. Well, Allie, Jeff Buckley is one of my favorite artists. I had a, an obsessive couple of years of that was kind of all I listened to. And I'm not sure if you are aware, but um, I, when I was a professional musician, I played a number of tribute concerts for Jeff Buckley uh, in Chicago and Toronto, where I was very fortunate enough to meet his mom and sing on stage with his mom. Uh, really powerful experiences, just really healing being with people. It was really like a, almost like a, a funeral um, because when I first discovered Jeff Buckley, he had just passed. And it was very hard to, to hear someone who was so vulnerable and such an influence and then realize they were already gone. So if you want to check that out, that's at Spencer Michelle Music. There's a number of concerts of me performing live Jeff Buckley songs. So yeah, a wonderful song, uh, Hallelujah, which is really about the vulnerability in love and how it's, you know, love is not a victory march. It's a cold and it's a broken hallelujah, right? Uh, it's something that humbles you. It's, it tears you down. And to be able to maintain that harmony, sometimes you're just you're reduced to ashes. And that's okay. That's part of what unity is, is sometimes we have to release the body to, to get come into alignment with another soul on some level as well. Oh, let's see. Uh, Corey says, naming it is powerful. It's a powerful step in allowing whatever you're feeling to move through you gracefully. And that's actually the name of Jeff Buckley's uh, only studio release or official studio release is Grace. So another nice connection there too. All right, friends, let's keep going. This is wonderful. Uh, like I said, this is a great, um, a great group. Hey, uh, Chris is here. Hello, Chris. Nice to see you. This is a Virgo Rising group therapy session today. <laughs> Sorry, Chris. If you're new here, uh, we try to be pretty Virgo practical, but some of the feelings are coming out today, which I think this is astrology in action, Chris. I think that this full moon, while we may have shown up for the practical details, the emotions are coming out. This is, this is what we might be experiencing here is feelings that dissolve the boundaries between us. And through these, this vulnerability, we are coming together spiritually on some level. Um, and hopefully that helps us to be our more authentic selves. Okay. Um, oh, you're Virgo rising. <laughs> okay. So you're going through it. <laughs> like, so hopefully we're, we're, uh, we're, you know, bringing you some support today too, Chris. All right, friends. So I think that's what the full, I'm seeing with this full moon. And if any of you are seeing anything else in particular, we always have some good observations. Sometimes I miss a few things. Yeah, we got hijacked by Pisces today. Where's the moon today? It's in Capricorn. It's <laughs> Capricorn moon, Venus and Virgo. Uh, yeah, interesting times. Um, 
So this, like I said, the, the, this is the challenge of releasing control, of releasing perfectionism, of being okay with uh, how things are to find satisfaction, having the mutual reception between Venus and Virgo in, in, in Virgo and Mercury retrograde in Libra, maybe making a sacrifice for the family, maybe releasing our grip on our on our hoard of whether it's knowledge, whether it's control, whether it's resources, to, to be able to restore peace to the to the land or to the the family or to the the I don't know. Bernices did this for the good of the kingdom, not just for the good of herself. She humbled herself for the good of the kingdom, which is really difficult to do. It's very embarrassing sometimes. I feel like today I've cut off my hair for all of you and <laughs> like you know humiliated myself on some level but i hope it was instructive and it wasn't it's not something that i planned to do i was like you know I'm, i didn't write in my notes i'm gonna get on a live stream in front of 50 people and cry today <laughs> that's not how you write these scripts out sometimes it just happens and that brings me to another point with this full moon sometimes the divine has a different plan than your plan and it may be a better plan. And learning to surrender to that is another lesson of a Pisces full moon. Surrendering to the feelings, surrendering to the emotions, surrendering to the dissolving of the boundaries, which I think Jupiter is a great peacemaker. It's a great harmonizer. And that's something I think is super important moving forward is like is learning to dissolve the, the, the boundaries. Pisces season in the Northern Hemisphere is usually the transition from winter to spring where everything just turns into mush. It just turns into a muddy oceanic sea that will later lead to fertility of spring. So consider that. Uh, Raven says, you're sharing an openness with your emotions allowed my son who is seven to share with me his own feelings and experience with anger as he is listening to you with me today. Oh man, you're gonna make me cry again, Raven. Um, that's beautiful, and uh, I I hope that your son is feeling some sense of peace. We have to model um, our feelings for our children. We have to allow ourselves to be vulnerable to let them feel vulnerable with their feelings. Um, and sometimes it's uh, you know, it's it's easy sometimes to want to have to create separation to be a good parent, but oftentimes showing our children our vulnerability can teach them empathy. And that's a really beautiful thing, Raven, and I hope that your son is finding some peace today. I have a soft spot in my heart for all vulnerable things, animals, children, all of those things, and um, it's really nice to hear that. Okay, other things that I may have written down. We've we've talked about diadem. We've talked about Aldebaran bri briefly, a moral dilemma that tests our integrity. We've talked about Mars moving into its retrograde shadow. What I will say about that retrograde shadow and re regarding any maybe conflicts that come up is Mars is going to retrograde in the third decan of Gemini. And this is a place in the zodiac where we may be tempted to make all or nothing ultimatums. And when Mars retrogrades, in that position, we may want to reconsider any like fixed positions where we've we've made an all or nothing ultimatum. I would highly suggest against doing that in the coming weeks and months, because you may regret it and you may have to really review that. A lot of times there isn't a black and white solution. We have to deal with shades of gray 
at this period of time and be okay with that. It's hard to accept that. We want clarity off more often than not, but sometimes there's just alternative truths for the individual lives that we're leading, and that's okay. That's part of why we're incarnating here is to, to appreciate the differences in each other's experiences while also maintaining some kind of unity that we're having this collective experience or this collective dream together. All right. So when we move forward, what, what I'd like to do is just take you through a few days after this full moon and see what we may be experiencing. So on the 15th, when we get to, let's, uh, let's take this forward. We'll step it forward. I'll keep the I'll keep the full moon in the inner ring here. So what we have now is the full moon in the inside ring, and we're going to look at the transits and how it's going to move throughout this cycle. So you can see that the the first aspect that we're going to have as the moon separates from the opposition is I'm going to say it's a it's it's a opposition uh, with Mercury retrograde here. So it's going to reignite some of those conflicts we may have had with the, the Mercury-Jupiter opposition, where we may have a situation where we have to, to compromise with people, but we really strongly feel we want to move in an independent direction. So that's something to consider. Uh, we will see Mercury moving under the sun's beams eventually. You can see Mercury is moving retrograde coming, it's, it's moving towards that inferior conjunction or that Kazemi, that retrograde Kazemi. So when we see here on September the 15th, it's moved within 15 degrees of the sun. So it is now becoming invisible. So this is when Mercury is going under the beams of the sun and going into the underworld in that psychopomp phase. So this is something where we're, we need to go within to find our truth. We need to look to our roots. We need to look to the things that are behind the scenes to find fairness, to find justice. And these will come together, these two planets, in the first decan of Libra. So there may be some judgment that is coming, and we have to search deep within our hearts, okay, to figure out how to unravel some of these, these challenges. But there may be a lot more behind-the-scenes communication, behind-the-scenes commerce, things of that nature that might help us to move forward. Okay, on that day also, we're going to see the sun at, uh, at roughly in this period of time. Actually, we're going to step it forward one more day, sorry. So that's Mercury moving under the beams. And I did a treatment of this in the astrology of August as well, but I'll just briefly do it here as well. So here we see the sun moving into an opposition with Neptune. So again, questions of passing on a legacy, questions of entropy coming into an opposition with uh, maybe a, an idealization of how we want things to be, you know, like our illusion versus reality. That, that, that third decan of Virgo is very real. That is like one of the more real decans where it's saying, this is your reality. You're going to have to deal with the, the corruption of matter that eventually it will decay. Uh, whereas there is this etern eternity um, happening in the third decan of Pisces, this this rainbow. It's it is also itself ephemeral, but there is this like I don't know desire to sacrifice for our idealism with the third decan of Pisces. So 
something to consider with the opposition here. We may lose some steam around this period of time. I, I've always find that Neptune contacts with any planet uh, kind of takes the wind out of my sails because Neptune is a planet that dissolves. It is a dissolver. So it may dissolve our will. It may dissolve our ego. So maybe we finally dissolve the ego after this when things come to light at that full moon. Um, on the 17th, we're going to see the square. So this is the, actually, as this is perfecting, um, that opposition between the sun and Neptune, we're having the, the, the square. So let me pull that up here. So there's the moon at 24 degrees of Gemini and the sun at 24 Virgo in a big old T-square with Neptune, right? So again, that, that decan of Gemini is the Ten of Swords, where we may be having, uh, it, it is the logical or the inevitable consequences of our arguments, <laughs> like of our disagreements, of our thought processes. And here we may have too many thoughts. And this, this card is called Ruin. So you can see someone who's got ten swords in their back. I also like to think about that Deccan as a need to release certain uh, imagined pathways. So to be able to pass on a legacy, to be able to bring a material, um, a material thing to closure, to pass on, we may have to release some of the options. We can't keep all the options open. So making a sacrifice like Pollux sacrificed some of his immortality to breathe life into Castor once again in that old myth of the Discori is, I think, a really important uh, theme when we see planets moving through the third decan of Gemini. Now, this, this last quarter moon is a reevaluation. It's, it's a reconsideration. And that moon is going to be very close to the degree that Mars is going to retrograde as well. So pay attention to any conflicts that come up or reconsiderations because Mars is going to be activating that in late uh, October. Be careful not to get swallowed by our illusions of how we want it to be versus how it is. <laughs> you know, that's, that's always the ch real challenge about being incarnated, isn't it? If we are, consider ourselves spiritual beings, we have this, these wonderful imaginations. And sometimes when the reality doesn't match with our imagined reality or vision or our dream, that can be very painful. And, you know, some of the satisfaction that we see in the Nine of Cups is just accepting some of that and accepting that that reality can only just be a copy of the spiritual um, on some level. There's a, there's a myth of Dolus in that Deccan. Dolus is the apprentice to Prometheus who was crafting a humanity out of clay. And Prometheus left on an errand and Dolus tried to copy uh, Prometheus's fig, clay figure, but ran out of clay at the feet. And when, when Prometheus came back, he uh, was impressed by Dolus's skill. So he fired both, and he fired the one that, that didn't have any feet, and he fired the one that was complete. And the complete one was called Aletheia, and Aletheia roughly translates to truth. And the incomplete one was called Pseudologos, which roughly translates to falsehood. So even the lesson there is that we can never truly copy the dream. There's always going to be some kind of falsehood. And oftentimes if we get caught in our falsehoods and neglect to see the essence behind things, the, the, a lie is, is going to um, falter 
it's not going to be able to, to run like the truth would. The truth will continue. A falsehood is not going to be able to be sustained over time. It's, it's going to limp along and eventually it'll be found out and all of these things. So um, I think it's really important to tell the truth around this period of time. Whatever that truth is for you, uh, try to see what and understand what someone else's truth may be. And also to, to, to come to peace, realizing that your vision is going to need and require compromise within the confines of physical reality. I mean, we're dealing with time. We're dealing with sometimes limited resources. And those things shape how we can create a reality or co-create a reality. This is one of the things that they didn't really focus on when they when all those things were coming out, I don't know, a decade ago about things like the secret, creating your own reality. They were basing those on some real uh, spiritual, you know, hermetic principles. But what they didn't really, it was all shaped by capitalism. It was all shaped by put your mind towards a big house and a big car and you can have whatever you want materially. I think what they aren't understanding is that you're working within the, the realm of, of physical reality. Uh, you're working with time. You're working seasonally. Things increase and decrease. That is a, a, an immutable law. Um, and I think that when we accept those immutable laws and then co-create within those, then we have a much easier time rather than just trying to live some cap late capitalism fantasy world, which, man, that's a, that is a great uh, way to have a tower experience where if you're trying to build your way to spiritual happiness through material means, eventually the lightning bolt of awareness will come to shake you out of your, your hubris and humble you and reconnect you with the, the divine. So that may be what Mars is trying to do on this level as well. Uh, so that is the quarter moon, right? A need to choose to release an option to pass on a legacy. When we get to the 18th, uh, we're going to see an opposition between Mercury and Jupiter coming once again. So you can see that this conflict that we may have had around the first or second of September, if you had some situation where something that you shared a possession or whether an ideal or something came into conflict with your own personal desires and your own desire to make your own way that's probably going to be revisited around this 18th okay as we wrap up this lunar cycle okay so it may give us an opportunity to take a different action to make a different choice based on the information that we have and all the feelings that we've felt Sometimes we need just more information before we, we resolve a, a conflict or we come into alignment with other uh, options in our life. You can also see that Venus will be hitting the point where the, the sun would have been in that full moon. So another maybe harmonizing factor at this point. Uh, Darren D says, I am with you 100% with that. Capitalism pol polluting spirituality and all of this law of attraction nonsense. Even technically, I do agree with law of attraction, but in the current culture, begrudgingly. Exactly, D. And, and for those of you who practice law of attraction, it's not that that is a bad thing. I do think that there is some truth to that. And Pisces 2, the second decade of Pisces, talks a lot about you put your mind and you make a wish hey, it's, it's much more likely to come true if you put your mind to something and then release the how. So it's kind of like having the vision and then surrendering to the universe to rearrange it for you rather than Virgo who wants to control every step of the process. Now, law of attraction, though, 
what we're seeing is that we are living in a, a planet that has somewhat finite resources. Now, my personal opinion is that it's not that the resources are finite, which some in some cases they are. It's that we are trying to promote growth exponentially without letting the ground, the system lie fallow and compost the old forms uh, to sustain life long-term. That's what it is. The earth is an organism. The earth is a conscious being that if you treat it well and you live in balance with it, it will continually produce until it like gets consumed in the sun, but that's billions of years from now, right? It will provide, you know, that is a truth. But if you exploit it, if you get greedy, if you try to, to promote that growth infinitely without letting it rest, then we have what we have today with late stage capitalism, with climate change, with all sorts of natural disasters, droughts, floods, fires, all of those things. Because there's been a, a select few over many, many years, decades, centuries that have been exploiting the land and not returning the energy to it. It's, it's we're taking without giving. So how do we learn to give back again to the earth and, and work with it to provide abundance rather than pillage, rather than rape it, right? It's so important. This, this is the biggest challenge of our lifetimes, friends. And I, I, I'm going to start shouting that from the rooftops. We have to learn to live in alignment with the earth or the earth will eliminate us. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, I just think people aren't, aren't really understanding that. The earth's going to be fine. Do we, but do we want humanity to survive? That's the real question. Because this is our home. We're not going to move to Mars or some bullshit like that. This is our home. And we have to take care of it if we want it to take care of us. Okay? All right. And, and climate. <laughs> climate soapbox. Rachel says, uh, as human beings, we also have our own limitations, which we need to work in harmony with. We can't actually create everything we would like to. Absolutely. And I'll, t I'll, I'll talk about a, a way of weaving fate and how I understand it, which is related, I think, to the Moirai. The Moirai weavers of fate, right? You had uh, Clothos, Atropos, and geez, come on, someone help me with the last one, which is uh, poop. Uh, I can't remember the third sister that, that was, uh, somebody will figure it out, but there's three sisters. And the way that we're weaving fate here today is, you know, we have a fate that we're born into called Hemarmene. And Hemarmene is the immutable fate. It's like, hey, you're born five foot ten. And, and unless I go to some extreme thing to change how tall I am, uh, I'm always going to be five foot ten. I'm not going to be seven feet tall. I'm not going to play basketball in the NBA as, as hard as I may try or want to, right? When I was a kid, I'm also 42 years old. Like that's there, this, that is a young person's game. I'm not going to be able to become 23 years old to be young enough to, to do that. As much as I, as much as I imagine it happening, <laughs> it's not going to happen. And th that's Hemarmene that you have to accept. But there's, and then there's a type of fate called a non-K, which is the fate that we create through our ignorance. 
That means that this is just the forces that are compelling us to do things. And we have no awareness of this. And a lot of times people that, I think people that don't uh, study astrology are just going through their life with uh, a non-K. A lachesis. Thank you, D. Thank you. Jeez. It's on the tip. Of, that's the other Moirai. Uh, that's the other fate, right? It's um, one of those sisters. So that, that Ananke is the, the, the fate that we live just through ignorance, through just we're going about our lives, we're, work, we're acting on instinct, we're just taking what comes. And then the third type is called pronoia. And pronoia is the type of fate that you create through your foresight and your foreknowledge. So by, by becoming aware, by, by accepting divine providence, right, we are able to, to shift our pronoia type fate. Uh, and make certain adjustments. That doesn't mean you might be able to change your hemarmene, but you might be able to create a slightly better outcome in situations that you do have control over, rather than trying to futilely change ones that you absolutely don't. And that's the serenity prayer, right? That's God grant me the wisdom to change the things I can, uh, the accept the things that I can't, and the wisdom to know the difference. I'll give that another hallelujah, right? Because, man, if people would just learn that, simple, simple truth. We'd save ourselves so much pain, so much suffering, so much banging our heads against the wall, so much conflict. Um, and it's sometimes it is tough to know the difference because there are times when we can change things and we, we tell ourselves that we can't. So th that just comes through experience and through, through experimenting. You know, if you feel like you can change something, try it. And if it doesn't work, you may have to accept it. Maybe you have to persevere. Maybe, you know, there's all sorts of different stories and narratives in these various uh, journeys that we have here. Uh, Lisa says, this is fascinating, Spencer. I want to learn more about this mythology. Well, come join up with our study group. <laughs> I'm sure we'll have some deep, deep conversations uh, uh, in that group, I hope. Okay. So let's keep moving and see if we can uh, get to this new moon here. Yeah, and Rachel says everybody in here, this chat is so knowledgeable. That's why I'm so excited about this group study because I, you know, as a teacher, I, I learned so much just even from my students. This was true when I was teaching songwriting classes at a, at a community college for many years. I learned so much from my students and from the experience of it. I'm, I'm hopeful that that will be my experience as well. It's, I can be a guide and I can shine a light, but all of us are going to be guides for one another. And I think that that's, that's a really important dynamic when you're in a, a class of adults that are intelligent and have their own perspectives to bring, which is super fun. Uh, Lisa is asking, is it okay if we have to miss one of the classes? Yeah, of course. I, I, I will record the ones that you miss and make them available for participants. So yes. Absolutely. And there'll be a Discord chat group, so you can chat about things after the fact, too, and hopefully we'll have some good participation there. Rachel is asking, is pronoia associated with the gifts of Saturn? It feels like there's a tie there. That's a good question, Rachel. Um, I personally have not made a connection directly with Saturn, but I do think that Saturn's gifts are ones of maturity, of uh, objectivity, uh, and of taking a longer range view. And I think all of those things can be associated with developing the skill of pranoya, right? Of developing the ability to see something in advance 
and then take an action that is in service of the long, long-term greater good. So in that regard, I think that's a really good connection. Uh, D says, study group, when? I missed this. Well, D, we have launched a guided group study uh, ses session for the fall of 2022. Um, we're going to be studying Demetra George's Astrology, uh, Ancient Astrology and Theory and Practice, A Manual of Traditional Techniques, Volume 2, which is all about delineating a planet in a particular house. And we're going to be meeting every other Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. We're also going to have a Discord discussion group. We're going to meet up on Zoom so we can see each other face-to-face -face and have a discussion. And there is a link to sign up for that in the description of this video today. So I hope that you will join us because I'm really excited about sharing knowledge and getting to know all of you better and um, having more just to get to know you as people. I'm getting to know you through the chat here in these live streams, but it's a whole different experience when we get to see each other's faces and hear each other's voices. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Um, uh, Rachel says, I can only think of the three musketeers still in astro preschool. <laughs> yeah. Well, that might be a way to think of, uh, you know, the fates on some level as well. Okay, so let's keep going. So we've got on the 18th, the revisiting of the opposition with Mercury and Jupiter, um, maybe reviewing the conflicts that we started at the beginning of, or the challenges of duality that we had in the beginning of September, trying to see things from another perspective. The sun will also be trying Pluto that day, so maybe we'll be able to humble ourselves through getting really into the depths and figuring out how to change our systems and the way that we've done things and maybe have a better relationship to how we exert or receive authority and power. Uh, on the 20th, Venus is going to trine uh, Uranus, so we may have to do things differently with our material resources and maybe just release some control, you know, try a different system, you know, put our, our resources in a different form so that we can move forward. Doing things the old way just really isn't going to work on this on some level. And then, of course, we will have our ingress of the sun into Libra. And that's on the 22nd, the fall equinox. And then on that same day, you know, what we're going to see is Mercury coming into Kazemi with the sun. So there's the Kazemi on the 22nd. Really powerful. This is so powerful. Like you're having a Kazemi on the uh, the fall equinox, on the, the, the ingress into Libra. So this is baked into that entire season. It's just, I think it's a really great moment for an awareness of imbalances, which is the first decade of Libra, that will it will help us to do the work of rebalancing something. I think that people always think that Librans and are are always have it all balanced out. I think a lot of the times we the scales they tip, and a lot of the times we have to do the hard work, uh, the mature work of bringing them back into harmony. And a lot of times that takes us to be aware of an injustice first before we can bring it back into equilibrium. So I think that's what we may be experiencing here, that fall equinox and that Kazemi. Um, and after that conjunction, Venus will be making an opposition to Neptune. So again, it'll go, be going through the, the place that the sun had gone through. So maybe some illusions in our relationships that we have to come to terms to with and, and find our reality around that. Um, 
I will just give you some warning. I talked about this a little bit in the astrology of uh, September. Venus in Virgo, I, I, I think it's a lot of it is trying to perfect the body. And I would I would caution all of you who may be very self-critical, whether it's through aging or whether it's through dissatisfaction, just be real careful around this period of time of changes that you might make. I, I associate this uh this placement with like like plastic surgery gone awry where it's kind of like you don't know when to stop and we're trying to preserve something against the ravages of time that on some level it might be easier to accept that these bodies do decay and just love who we are in this moment i'm speaking also to myself i admitted on the last live stream that i get a little anxious as a leo rising about my hair thinning and have you know, I've been starting to get advertised to about all these like hair products. And at some level, I think I've always prayed that, that I'll keep my hair until I'm mature enough to not care anymore. <laughs> I think that'd be great. And I think I'm getting to that point where it's like, you know, it's hair. <laughs> like it's, it's just a symbol. It's just an adornment, right? And uh, sometimes we have to allow our bodies to entropy um, well, you know, we do have to take care of our bodies. We don't want to give up completely, but to age gracefully, we sometimes have to change the expectations that we have around our bodies as well. Uh, Raven says, Austin Kopic talked about the scales in relation to the marketplace and how the scales are only ever in balance for a brief moment. Yes. Well, in his book, 36 Faces, which I've spent quite a bit of time with, and, and a lot of my research is based on his research, um, the, the progression that you see in Libra is an awareness of injustice and imbalance, trying to bring them into harmony, that perfect moment of equilibrium, making a commitment and an oath in the second decan. Then in the third decan, there's the, the hard work of maintaining balance uh, while things are starting to go crazy. This is like, how do you keep all the plates spinning? There's, there's maintenance that comes in Libra too, is you're always going to be making slight adjustments to maintain that harmony. It's not like you've created balance and then it's your work is done. You know, it's like there's constant adjustments that you have to make. And this is why a lot of Libra placements are constantly making adjustments to others to bring things into equilibrium. They may be the victims of injustice. They may be perpetrators of injustice, but eventually there's a, a harmonization that is required of that placement um, by, by a relationship to the other. So something to consider. And the reason the sun is at its fall there is the sun wants to be an individual point of consciousness. It doesn't want to adjust to others. It's exalted in areas. It wants to say, here I am. I'm the king. Do what I say. <laughs> like, and the sun in Libra is like, what is your perspective? That's why it's, it's harder for the sun to feel comfortable in that space. But you can see here, once the sun moves into Libra, now we have a mutual reception between the sun and Venus, in addition to Mercury and Venus, okay, for the time being. So there's there's a secret relationship between those as well. Um, but try not to get overly obsessed by physical form and preserving physical form, because that can lead to doing some things that will bring you way out of balance. I'm thinking of like a, someone like Michael Jackson, who was obsessed with perfecting his physical form. And there was a certain point, I think maybe in the early 80s, where, yeah, it, it could have maybe it was his 
whatever self his best self i guess I, I i don't know like i think he was still a handsome dude before he had any surgery and i wish that he would have learned to accept himself as he was but um there came a point of diminishing returns and i think that venus in the third decan of virgo in particular can show us the point of diminishing returns where we are instead of creating better beauty and harmony and balance we've created something that could be considered you know I don't know, out completely out of whack. So think about that uh, uh, for a second as well. And it really, that kind of thing ultimately, I think, led to his his death. Like there was some things that we he was taking to sleep and his anxiety and some of that may be related to the, the some pain he was experiencing physically, uh, you know, and it ended up, you know, kind of killing him in the end. So something to consider. Now, when we get to the the 25th we're going to see the new moon in libra so this is a great start for a class <laughs> this is when uh we're going to be starting the guided group study course for the spencer michelle astrology group uh, I'm, I'm looking at monday the day after uh, the 26th at 1 p.m eastern time but this is a great time for creating a, a new sense of harmony a new sense of balance um, and we'll talk about this as we get closer to it. But you can see that Mercury is retrograded and is now making a conjunction to Venus and Virgo. So uh, passing on a legacy, passing on wisdom. I hope that that's what that group will be all about, preserving the wisdom of traditional astrology against the ravages of time, but also trying to make it digestible for modern times as well. That, I think that's really important. Ancient astrology can point the way and give us the foundations, but we have to make it applicable to our, our modern lives. And that requires uh, making some adjustments to the language, making some adjustments to maybe the ethics involved in some of it, but with but preserving the some of the structures as well. So it's a it's a like I said, it's a balance. Um, Dimphy says, become sixty one in the end of August. Virgo is very bodily body aware. Don't worry, the inside will overcome the exterior. Hopefully, I hope so. Dimphy again. Uh, that was my hope is that please let me keep my hair long enough so that I just don't care anymore. <laughs> like, and I mean, like I said, regulus oil really helps with that. There's a, uh, some beautiful materia from Austin's wife, Caitlin, uh, from Sphere and Sundry. And part of the prayer that they talk about is, uh, you know, regulus can help you with not needing the approval of others, which strangely enough will magnetize it. So there comes a point where, you know, you may not need people's approval. You may not need uh, the approval of people's body beauty standards and things like that. Or you may not need to feel like you look a certain way to have approval or things like that. Like, I don't know. It's, it's all, it's all adornment on some level, right? Uh, let's see. Oh, D has a group on Monday. Well, double up d you'd be a great addition d i, I really appreciate your voice and i love chatting with you so if you can find a way to make it happen that'd be awesome if not that's okay too my friend uh future past astrology welcome says mj's birth time is not well rated but he had venus in leo at some point in his 20s venus ingressed into virgo via secondary progressions wild yeah see oh good point the other thing that i reason why i bring up Michael Jackson is because Michael Jackson was born at this full moon. He had uh, the sun in Virgo and the moon in Pisces. So it, there's some people that talk about him having a Virgo rising as well. So that there might be oh, actually Pisces rising. Sorry, Pisces rising. 
Pisces rising, which will make a lot more sense to me, actually. Um, but great point about, you know, he had Venus and Leo. He was like at the peak of his power or whatever. And then Venus went into Virgo and it just, he was trying to preserve that, but in a way that became destructive, right? And, and, and you know, eventually just became a caricature of himself. And that, that's, that's, that's difficult to do. And he had all sorts of health challenges and things like that too. Um, great point, future past astrology. I, I, what is your name? Who am, is that's Rachel? Rachel. There's so many Rachels. We got like four Rachels here. <laughs> like I've, I try to remember everybody's name when they have their like stage name on here. But uh, yeah, we've got all these. How many Irish Rachels do we have in the crowd today? I feel like we have more than one. Okay, so that's that gets us full circle to the the next new moon. We'll talk about that new moon. And uh, let's, so we'll, I'll stop my share here and kind of look at the chat for a minute here. Um, while I'm doing that, please, if you're still with me today, please hit the like button. That helps the, the algorithmic gods and pleases, pleases them and helps us to uh, share this message with more people. Um, subscribe to the channel if you're new here. Subscribe to the newsletter if you haven't already. That helps get you up to date on these classes and all these offerings, all these live streams and whatnot. Um, yeah, so uh, Ali is saying, exaltation of the sun when we cross the threshold of the spring equinox is the first month where the sun is in the sky for longer than when it is below the horizon when the balance leans towards the sun. There's some, I'm trying to unpack that. Mm. Well, yeah, the, when the ex, when the sun is in exaltation in Aries, we cross the threshold of the spring equinox. Okay, got that. The first month when the sun is in the sky for longer than it is below the horizon. Okay, when the balance leans towards the sun. Yeah, I mean, really, the fall equinox is and is, you know, literally we see fall that is happening. Right, we we call it fall uh, because this we could even connect it with the sun and its fall. But what's happening is the darkness starts to overpower the light like the, the nights become longer uh eventually and we we start to get into saturn's territory of winter in the northern hemisphere and saturn has its exaltation in, in libra so um saturn being opposing the sun and the solar light we have to take other people's needs into consideration we have to like balance things out for the greater good i think one of saturn's secret significations is harmony it wants to create balance and sometimes it does it through hard work and through giving things up and through sacrifice and things of that nature. Rachel, one of the Rachels, thank you for the super sticker. Uh, it says giving a, a chocolate, buying me a chocolate, which is great. I'll show you. You see my secret stash here? This is what some of your donations is going to, to keep me going. This is, I'm not uh, sponsored by this company, but this is green and blacks organic 70% dark chocolate, which fuels the brain that was what my great grandmother said helped her live to 106 years old which is very lightly sweetened or unsweetened dark chocolate <laughs> so thank you rachel uh for the donation it'll go to good use um let's see let's see let's see uh, the irish rachel is wondering if there's other irish rachels <laughs> I don't know. um yeah, so we're devolving into silliness here. So, friends, let's wrap it up for the day. Uh, I'm a little bit squeezed out emotionally through 
the the crying that some of you may have missed earlier from just feeling my feelings at this Pisces full moon. Um, as we are apt to do in this show, we pull an animal to help teach us uh, through its behaviors and through its appearance and all of its uh, you know characteristics how we might be best deal with this uh, lunation. And we pulled an I Ching. So the animal that we got for this full moon was the centipede, which is interesting. So a centipede has hundreds of legs that all move in tandem with one another. So movement is something we can glean from this. Uh, doing, you know, more than one thing at once, right? Like, but unifying all of those micro movements to be able to move forward. So all of those hundreds of legs get this person or this this animal to a specific place that it has a goal where it's going and they have to like work together in tandem i thought that was really interesting virgo uh you know pisces type of uh energy the centipede also talks about being able to adjust to change and adaptability it also lives in dark damp places uh it is a good groomer it grooms all of those individual legs so take care of your your body um making sure to take care in your communication, especially with Mars in, in Gemini, uh, to avoid misinterpretations. That's really important. Some centipedes are toxic, so we have to watch that our words don't become toxic. In the book that I use, which is called Animal Frequency, that's sort of my oracle. I used to have a deck that I would pull things out, but I like this book uh, by Melissa Alvarez. Uh, she talks about checking your safety measures, like your smoke alarms and your locks, and you know being able to make sure that you're protected in a certain way uh, and learning to coordinate. Um, I know in my house, my, my smoke alarms that are supposed to last for 10 years have been going off randomly to the point where we're going to have to replace them after like a year. So that like <laughs> really spoke to me. I was like, Oh shit, we got to replace those um, and get, get organized. So many, many of those legs moving in tandem. Um, you know, since the centipede lives in dark, damp places, it's okay to retreat out out of the spotlight to regroup there's a regrouping that's happening here too sometimes when we feel a little bit too visible we need to retreat we need to kind of regain our sense of balance and center if we've had a conflict sometimes it's okay to take a time out and then try to re-engage when we're feeling more centered when we've gotten some perspective when we've meditated on how our actions may be creating or not creating harmony so that being said the hexagram that I got for this full moon was number 24, uh, changing to hexagram number 36 with one changing line, line number three. So 24 roughly translates to return, renewal, turning back, repentance, reform, restoration, renovation, rejuvenation, the turning point. And they compare this hexagram to the winter solstice, like the return of the light, although we this full moon is going to be taking us to another turning, which is the turning of fall. Okay, so we're, we're gonna experience another shift in our consciousness. Now, that changing line is uh, number three. It says, repeated return, danger, but no blame. Okay, so this is, this is uh, a line that describes vacillating, where we may, and this, I, I'm gonna blame Mars and Gemini for this, where we are imagining all these different pathways and it's creating some challenges, like the grass is always greener on the other side, for us to actually do our work and bring something to completion. 
Like the last decan of Virgo is all about bringing a material process to its its completion. So it, it, we by this valid vacillation, we may be coming in and out of alignment with our ethics and our values. Uh, we may be questioning those ethics and values. Um, we're needing to learn to stick to our integrity, right? Especially with Mars on Aldebaran, well, we need to learn to persevere. It's important to make up our minds and stick to it. If you've, if you've decided you're going to do something, don't second-guess yourself into infinity. This is another Virgo challenge, is always second-guessing. Is it good enough? Is it good enough? Is it ready to be done? Sometimes you just have to let go and say, there it is. I did what I could do. Um, now it lives. It has its own life, right? And this is true for projects. This is true for parenting. <laughs> this is true for all of these things. So there is there is challenges that we have that where we sometimes we have to, um, you know, stick to our 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 ethics. Stabilize your thinking. With all of the mutable energy, we may have a lot of thoughts that are that are you know circling around. And by quieting the mind, that may help us to prioritize what is what is most important. So uh, we have to keep returning to the correct path. So sometimes when we get into arguments, when we get into disagreements, we get angry, we, uh, we stray from our integrity. And then we have to keep returning back to center. We have to keep returning to what maybe the, the Tao would, would instruct us to do. I always in my prayers say, please help me get come into alignment with the Tao and the divine plan, which is really about surrender. And I think that, again, that's what this full moon is speaking to, too, is how do we surrender to that divine plan? And that informs our actions. That informs our integrity. Okay? So don't abandon the difficult work. And the difficult work comes from cultivating your character. Just because you've gotten into a challenge, it's, it's, it's easy to want to run away and say, the grass is greener on the other side. This, if I just leave this experience behind, all my problems will be solved. Um, and that's really not true. I, I think that sometimes uh, creating harmony, creating beauty, creating agreement takes hard work. You know, unconditional love, there's, there's, a, there's a poignant word in that. It's unconditional it's, it's not that we're going to have expectations before we love someone. It's that we're going to love them no matter what. And that our agreement is that we're going to figure something out, whether it's hard work, whether we can, you know, do it in a way that maintains our own integrity while also in respecting the integrity of others. And sometimes that takes time. Sometimes that takes patience. Sometimes that takes a heavy dose of humility. And I, I think that those are the things that are, will help us to move forward in our lives. Um, so don't abandon the difficult work. There's a, there's a tendency to want to escape in, in a lot of the mutable signs. Those themes are in every single mutable sign. Virgo as well. Virgo gets so disgusted that they want to leave the material plane altogether, the, the goddesses associated with Virgo. Jupiter, we see cards where people are leaving material success behind to retreat into their imagination and into their mind. Gemini wants to you escape into other options and possibilities, and Sagittarius wants to just physically leave rather than mentally, right? So sometimes we have to stick around and do the hard work with each other uh, to get the, the real payoff at the end, because we may just, when we continually leave situations, we may just get these surface experiences that don't really have depth and aren't really bringing us the satisfaction that we're trying to achieve in this Nine of Cups card, okay? 
So this changing line is changing us to the hexagram number 36. And this hexagram is called darkening of the light. Other interpretations, eclipse, hiding one's light, censorship, keeping a low profile, hiding your feelings, blending in without compromising your inner light, conserving your energy. Um, this is something where this might be an unrewarding time in your life, but if you maintain faith in the sun's return after the darkness, that's important. The story with that hexagram, and I think I've told it a, a couple of times, but there was a prince in the ancient Chinese mythological world. Maybe it was a real story. I'm not sure. Um, but it's Prince, prince G, J-I. I don't know if I'm even pronouncing that correctly. But basically, there was a corrupt, uh, there was corruption in the kingdom. And the corruption um, spread throughout the land. There was a, a leader that took power that was not of integrity. And they were, the kingdom was devol devolving into debauchery and chaos through drunkenness. And the people at the court, king's court didn't even know what time it was. They were so drunk. And, and this prince was one of the last remaining people of integrity. And people went and sought his opinion to say, what time is it? You know, what, we don't know what time it is. We're too drunk. We don't know. And if he had revealed that he knew what time it was, he probably would have been exiled or murdered. So because he was not falling in line with the, the, the quote-unquote corrupt organization, right? Now, what, so what he did was he feigned madness. He feigned drunkenness while still maintaining his own values and integrity. So there may be a situation where you may have to adjust your delivery. You may have to kind of go along with a situation while still maintaining your inner light. Um, it may feel like an unrewarding experience, um, but th that may be part of the way to get past some of the more challenging aspects of this lunation is, you know, sometimes you have to like pretend that you're, the, you know, like the drunken master in Kung Fu where they like pretend they're drunk, but they're still like kicking ass. I'm just imagining Jean-Claude Van, Van Damme <laughs> or whatever in, well, what is it, Kickboxer, where the, the, his teacher gets him drunk in a, in a, <laughs> in a uh, literally in a, in a, pub and he has to like rely on his instincts now in this case you may have to feign dr drunkenness but but maintain your center so I, I don't know where that how that fits in but i'm sure it does somehow you, you all could could uh figure out that that oracle <laughs> what would jcd do he's he to me is so funny he's a libra son he's just so um there's a lot of cringe <laughs> but i sort of, i just sort of appreciate his his level of like you know he's willing to do his little dances here and there. It's just, uh, sorry he's he's just funny very funny to me growing up in the 80s um so thank you friends uh this has been very healing this has been uh i love the fact that you've been able to hold space for me today i hope that i'm holding space for you uh i appreciate all the comments that i'm seeing in the comment section all of the support uh, all of the support that you have for each other when you when you are going through difficult times with one another that to me is really beautiful um, and I think that uh, I would really love to work with you on a more intimate level through through just learning some more astrology so if again if you are interested in signing up for guided group study we're going to be meeting every other Monday starting on the new moon in Libra on September the 26th we're going to do we're going to have six sessions where we meet up until uh December the 5th, and we're going to have a Discord group where we discuss and have homework and are having the 
continuing the conversation. Um, and so that is available uh, on my website right now in the book fe now feature under classes and webinars. There's a link to sign up directly in this video, in this podcast. Um, that would be great. If, like I said, if you need some uh, to make a financial arrangement with me, that's okay. Email me at spencermichelleastrology at gmail.com and I'll do the best that I can. Um, that's what I've got for you today, folks. Uh, this was really fun. Thanks again for your support and for tuning in. Um, and for your wisdom and for your light. And I hope that you're able to find the, the satisfaction and balance that out with your self-sufficiency um, over the course of this particular full moon lunation. So that is what I've got for you today, friends. Um, and as always, and especially with Mars and Gemini, think before you speak, be kind to one another, use your words to lift people up rather than to tear people down. And I, I guarantee you that will help you to uh, find some grace in your situation and, and bring people together, I hope. So that's what I've got for you today. Uh, take care, my friends. Be kind to one another. Be kind to yourself. We'll see you the next time. Peace.